0: Good morning. It's uh, great to be able to share with you as we continue on in our sermon series around our vision and values. This is our penultimate week, and um, this morning as we talk about unity, unity, I think this might be one of the most important themes that we're going to be talking about full stop. Unity. Well, if you want to open your Bibles with me, it's always good when the preacher starts by saying, would you open your Bibles with me? Uh, and we're looking for Ephesians 4. That's Ephesians 4. I'll give you just a moment to find it, but of course I am going to read it. got just a, a few thoughts to share with you this morning. Well, as you find Ephesians 4, let me just begin to read this for us. It begins, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. Amen. Amen. Well, let me start out by saying unity, I think, is a misunderstood concept within the life of the church. I'm not speaking of the folk here in Ainsford or the the folk of Stone, our church family, one church in two places. There's a great symbol of unity, one church, two locations, or even the folks joining us from Blossoms Care Home. I'm sure we never struggle with the issue of unity in our families. (laughs) But unity amongst the brethren, amongst the church family, can be an easily misunderstood concept. What I mean by this is, I think we've all heard of times and situations where a person intending to maintain unity doesn't say anything until they finally explode violently or simply are so hurt that they they retreat they retreat into themselves perhaps even from community altogether these are two challenges that the church faces in promoting unity you see unity is not weakness it's not patience to a fault but it's the power of God bringing us together for his purpose churches without unity and baptist churches often struggle with this can spend huge amounts of time debating minor issues squabbling amongst themselves we're blessed to have a track record for unity and it's easy to overlook that which is good about a place because it's normal we have a high degree of unity we are a united people a united church led by a leadership team with an uncommon amount of unity between us and as members serving the wider church the wider community we have a high degree of unity and can i just say i give praise to god for that that is such a blessing You see, I think unity is something that we are called to. It's our spiritual responsibility as mature believers in Christ before the Lord to practice, to maintain, to work on being a united people. Nobody said unity would be easy. Perhaps you've thought to yourself, yes, but nobody said unity would be this hard unity is a spiritual discipline unity is the call of christ to his church unity is our shared responsibility before the lord as the bride of christ you see this passage talks first of all about unity in terms of worthiness we need to each one of us take on that personal responsibility of maintaining unity through maintaining our relationship with Jesus, practicing being the people that he has called us, that he recognizes us as, as sons and daughters of God. We're called worthy. We're taught what worthiness looks like. We're expected to walk in the ways of the Lord. This is our shared responsibility. You know, every one of you listening this morning, be it here in the room or perhaps a day, a week, a month later tuning in online or or even just not in the room but perhaps in one of the other rooms that have become an extension of our church, be it the care home or be it that you're just in the other location this morning, this is our shared responsibility we are called sons and daughters of the lord and so our responsibility before the lord is to live out that calling jesus says that we're going to continue to fall short that our redemption is being worked out encouraging us to continue practicing these things knowing that he forgives us when we fall short but inviting us to share that responsibility Of belonging to his bride taking up our responsibility as believers to work out our salvation knowing that we'll fall short picking us up when we fall down loving and forgiving us the cross is a wonderful gift but the gift of Jesus isn't just forgiveness It's unity with God. It's relationship with him. It's the transforming of our hearts and minds. It's that ongoing purposeful change that we are called into. Jesus thinks you're worth dying for, but isn't content to leave you as you are. He's interested in who you are becoming. We've often talked about belong, believe, become, and I think that that is the right order for those words. We belong to the church, we come into community, we get to know one another. As the church extends itself, we're fulfilling that great commission. And as we fulfill the great commission, inviting people in, they find faith, they find Jesus. And in doing so, we are transformed by the renewing of our hearts and minds under the power of the Holy Spirit because of the cross of Christ And brought into right relationship with the Father. Now that's good theology. You see, we're encouraged to walk in worthiness. To walk in worthiness. The passage here this morning talks about walking in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. The call upon your life, brothers, sisters, church, family. The call upon your life, the call upon your life is not just one of salvation, but of transformation in the light of Christ. By the power of the cross you have been set free, and because of that freedom you are more than conquerors with Christ. You are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. Our calling is to walk meekly, kindly, humbly. You see, meekness isn't weakness. Meekness is to consider oneself humbly, to come to the Lord, to be purposeful, humble, kind, servant hearted, long suffering, to bear with one another in love. And just as this passage talks about, we're not not doing something easy here. We're doing something for the Lord. You see, patience and kindness, the whole fruits of the Spirit, come to bear in the heart of the believer. And, you know, perhaps you need to spend some time considering the fruits of the Spirit. These are the qualities of believers. That isn't to say that we find those things easy, but that the Lord continues to minister to us, helping us to walk out those things. You see, it's about journeying together. Together. For us to journey together, there needs to be peace. There needs to be peace. And thankfully, we serve a Prince of Peace I'm continuing to pray for the situation in Ukraine and invite you to do the same. Because I believe that our Prince of Peace will bring peace. As we consider peace, it's also important to consider that we have an enemy. The enemy is a liar. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The enemy seeks to destroy peace amongst the believers in our hearts and in our minds, stealing from us that which Jesus is giving us of himself. The enemy condemns, the spirit convicts. The Lord challenges, the enemy seeks to crush. In a church, it's all too easy. And I wonder what you'll think of this next statement, but it's all too easy for the enemy to make a mess of things when he comes in and he steals the peace from amongst the brethren, the church. And that's why we look to our Prince of Peace. That's why we are living our lives according to the Word of God. Submitting ourselves to him, seeking to live out his way, not our own. Not doing what is right in our sight, but what is right in his. Establishing peace between us and God is the ministry of Jesus. And if Jesus can make peace between us and God, when that was the greatest rift... As the word says, the wages of sin are death. Each one of us this morning has sinned, continues to sin, and falls short of the glory of God. And with that in mind, Jesus comes repairing our broken relationship and establishing his kingdom, the kingdom of God. We can't pretend that there's no conflict and hope that it will go away, but instead we need to recognize what living in peace together really means. To take our personal responsibility, the responsibility of every believer, for maintaining peace and unity amongst the church, and following a biblical pattern, (coughs) following a biblical pattern when that is hard, you see, the Bible has something to say on virtually every topic. It's a wonderful blessing to us. It's not just a great book or great collection of books or even stories, but in fact is the authoritative word, sufficient to instruct us in the ways of God. And whether you think of it as inerrant or not, Let me say that as the authoritative Word of God, it is sufficient in all walks of life. It is capable to help you as a believer, as a Jesus follower, learn how to live life and bring glory to God. In fact, if that isn't a great definition for inerrancy, I don't know what is. You need to spend time in the Word. You need to spend time letting the Spirit illuminate the Word of God. Because it teaches us about what we are agreeing about. One of the great ministries of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, I believe, is the supernatural gift of unity amongst the people of God. It's often been joked about in Baptist church life that if you have four baptists you probably have six opinions the only way we're going to have unity together the only way we're going to have unity together is by seeking the lord and his unity unity in the spirit agreement alignment you know, these things are key to us pulling together. We need to pull together because the task before us is greater than any one of us. No matter how wonderful you might think somebody in church is, no one of us can take the place of Christ. No one of us can fulfill the call of To go out into all the world and make disciples no one of us can love god on behalf of all of the rest of us our individual responsibility is to love god love one another and to make disciples to go out into all the world proclaiming the good news of jesus there are other things that we need to align on we need to believe that the only way to the cross and from the cross onwards into an everlasting relationship with god is through the person of jesus you see it's not just that jesus went to the cross because many people went to the cross it's that the cross of christ was remarkable because having lived a sinless blameless life christ died in our place the agreement that we have as believers is that there is only one way to god There is only one way to God, and that is through the cross. Another way that we believe in, another thing that we believe in, is that as we follow Jesus, the mission of God belongs to God. It doesn't belong to us it's not mine it's not yours it's not something that we've been brought into under conscription but we have had the personal revelation of who god is and we're choosing to walk in his ways rather than our own bringing glory to him for his purposes rather than yours or mine one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who is in all. There's a pretty strong unity statement for us. And you see, that means that we share in one purpose. What are we living for? As one body with one calling, one shared purpose, who will we be? What will that mean? Well, first, God spells this out for us. Through the person of Jesus, we are taught that we need to love God. That is our shared purpose. In fact, as we're urged in our passage this morning to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, do you want to know what that calling is? That calling is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself, thus fulfilling the whole of the law of the Old Testament, and the great challenge from god is to join him in his mission the mission of god the missio day and in doing so as we journey on we're filled with hope our hope in god sharing in one faith experiencing the waters of baptism with god at the center of it all the purpose of god the redemption of the world, sinners saved by grace through the person of Jesus and his death on the cross being brought from death to life in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, that we might live out the calling of God upon our lives with God, one God, at the centre of it all, in our hearts, our minds, our homes, our lives, our church. This is the call to unity from God himself, Not that we struggle on, not that we pretend that we never have a problem, never fall out, never struggle with one another, with the things of life, with the world. But that as the people of God, we walk in unity for God's purposes. Unity, God's calling, walking together purposefully that's what unity means to us i'd like to pray for you perhaps you'd pray with me this morning heavenly father we bless and praise your name we pray your kingdom come your will be done father we want to bring glory to you father continue to stir unity in our hearts encouraging us by the power of your spirit helping us to see things as you see things helping us to trust in you, to walk closely with you, to walk humbly with you, that we might know you, your goodness and your grace, in all of our ways. Father God, we bless your name. We ask for a continued unity in the Spirit as your people. We thank you for the unity that we have in our church. And as we move forwards seeking to honor you we pray that you would bless us with continued unity grow that sense of unity help us to grow as a church with a shared purpose bringing glory to you for your kingdom's sake for jesus sake father we want to walk with you we thank you for your encouragement lord we're eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace we bless and praise your name we thank you for your grace father stir within our hearts we pray peace unity and purpose We bless and praise your name, King Jesus. Amen.